This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. What's going on? Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Man, I love talking to difference makers, and we have talked to a lot of them, but... I don't think in the history of Very Bold Radio and Podcast, we've talked to one who is taking a ladder, put it on fire, and then balanced it on their head. And I don't think we've talked to a difference maker who at a very young age survived a plane crash. And I don't think we've talked to someone with quite the testimony that Casey Benson has and is going to share today. So Casey Benson is with me today. Man, I'm excited to have you on Very Bold Radio. How you doing, Casey? I'm doing fantastic, Steve. Thanks for uh, having me. Man, thanks for making the time. I know you're very busy today up at uh, yeah. Bannockburn Church in Austin. Let's start with uh, what uh, the marksman calls the elephant in the room, uh, the <laughs> flaming ladder. You are uh, I didn't say to our Facebook Live or radio audience uh, that you are also a youth evangelist that's traveled the world. Um, I forget, like out of 365 days a year, it seemed like you traveled about 400 days a year is what it seemed like. Yeah, it seems like it, but yeah. <laughs> at, at times it seems like it, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about uh, – the uh, ladder on fire that you are somehow able to balance on your head. Well, that's, the, that's the flaming ladder of death. You got to kind of put that part in there. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit more excitement. <laughs> you add death to it. Um, I love it, man. So, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you know, it's it, for me. Uh, yeah, there, there is. Uh, I do balance a ladder on my face. Sometimes I catch it on fire. Sometimes I stand on another ladder uh, while balancing a ladder. Uh, I just something I picked up as a kid. Um, don't remember how. I think it was when I was in prison. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. So I, somehow I was able to uh, develop a skill of how to juggle, how to balance things. Uh, I actually lived in uh, grew up in Galveston, Texas. You know yeah. what Galveston is? Oh yeah. I'm sorry, G Town. Anyway, I grew up in Galveston, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we had a place called the Strand. And so we had entertainers down there all the time, and people juggling thing called Dickens on the Strand that would come down, Mardi Gras. And I see these people juggling, and I was like, I think I could do that. And uh, I just one day picked it up and started doing it. And eventually, before you know it, I'm, I'm out there on the street uh, doing myself, never knowing that God was preparing me for something yeah. uh, when I was out there entertaining visitors to the island. Casey, let's talk about your childhood because, I mean, it is all like a compelling story. But how old do you think you were when you started just juggling? And what was your motivation? What was the reason you did that? Well, a lot of, I mean, a lot of it. I grew up with a father that was an alcoholic drug addict, yeah. uh, you know, left the home very early on. Uh, watched this man take needles, stick him in his arm, shoot up in front of me. I've seen, you know, you, you name it, I've seen it uh, with this guy. Uh, started smoking weed with me when I was a very young age. Um, also gave me acid once as a joke. Uh, and uh, Not, so Tell us, yeah, tell us about that. First of all, I mean, how old were you when he started smoking weed Probably, with you? Uh, well, it was very young, probably 10 years old. 10 I was years probably old. 10, probably 11 when he gave me some stuff. Um, you know, I, I went to live with him for a time period and thought that was the best thing for me, right? You ever, you ever yeah. have that what happened where you go, you know what, I'm a, I even told my mom, well, I'm going to go live with my dad, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure many people have actually made those claims, and yeah. basically uh, it wasn't the best move for me. 
Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit more. When you say as a joke, he gave you acid, please give me a little bit more on that. What does that mean? Oh, just there were times. I mean, man, there was many times. Uh, you know, he would yeah. have these parties and have all these people over, and uh, they'd be doing drugs and things like that. And it was just like, here, watch this, uh, as he would give his kid uh, drugs. Acid uh, was yeah. one of them because they were big onto that, uh, especially when I was living with him. It was uh, just as a kind of a joke to say, hey, look at this. Watch this kid when he. Uh, uh, when he's on drugs. Right, right. Wow. Well, tell us more, if you don't mind. I mean, there's so many yeah. things to talk about, so you could be thinking, man, I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, tell us a little bit more just about what that mean when you were growing up in terms of instability or things like that. What did that look like for you and your brother? Uh, you know, my brother was with my mom. Mainly. Okay. You know, he, he kind of he latched on there. I was the more rebellious kid that kind of ran out in the streets of Galveston and, uh, you know, got into trouble, got into things. I mean, it, it's just, there's, uh, again, lots of different uh, stories there. But I, I kind of would then go see my dad, go try to stay with him, go try to live with him, you know, just trying to find yeah. that place, right? I mean, every yeah. guy kind of needs that dad. And, and, and I was. I was a kid who needed a dad at that time. And I was wow. trying to make it work with a dad who really didn't want to make it work. Yeah. Um, it was just a lot of other things, which, you know, didn't cause a lot of inside pains that I would bring home, right? I don't know. Yeah. I'd go back to my mom's, and I would be uh, angry and upset and mad. And, of course, you know, you take it out on her. My grandmother, yeah. you know, would pick me up out of bars, uh, wow. you know, that he would leave me in, and uh, I would treat her poorly, you know. But my grandmother was a master with a switch. I don't know if you know about a switch, <laughs> but this woman knew how to keep people uh, straight, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, she was she would she would go get a switch out of the bush outside, and you knew you were in trouble uh, when that day was happening. So she kept me straight. My grandmother kept me straight pretty good. Okay, all right. Well, listen, uh, I, I want to at some point I want to back up and hear about the crash, and that's also the book that you've written as well. But I'm I'm a little bit torn because I want to get to also the the kid who um, kept inviting you to youth group. So which, I'm going to let you dealer's choice. I'm going to let you go. Which one do you want to talk, tell us about first? The crash, or you want to tell us about that annoying kid that kept inviting you to church? Well, we we can get into uh, that annoying kid, but uh, yeah, I, I, we can talk about the crash later for sure because okay. I'm not sure you read it already, right? I read the book. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for my signed copy. I don't read a book unless it's signed, okay. Casey. <laughs> All right. I'll have to sign one to see you. you right. Yeah, you better. <laughs> for real. No, no, I totally will. Hey, yeah, so we'll, we'll jump into how I it, – basically, it's the story of how I came into the Lord, and it kind of all matches up. And the reason why I wrote the book, and, and, and I'll just kind of run it all together yeah, because it is kind of part of it. You know, the reason I wrote the book is called The Crash, Overcoming When Life Comes Apart. And mm. as you can tell, part of my story there, uh, life came apart. Life yeah. came apart at different times in my life. And yeah. uh, I always say this, you're either going into a crash, you're coming out of a crash, or some people right now, they're living in a crash. You're right. Uh, they're living in that own personal plane crash in their life. And for me, my personal real plane crash happened July 24th, 1977, where my grandmother and grandfather uh, were coming down to Galveston to pick me up, to take me back to Spring Hill, Louisiana, which is where kind of they were mm. from where I spent my summers, kind of where my, you know, a lot of that happened with my dad as well, because he was living at that, that, that area. Yeah. And uh, they were coming to pick me up. And uh, as they were coming to pick me up uh, in Galveston, we left Galveston. We got over East Texas uh, near a place called Center, which is nowhere near the center of Texas. That's how <laughs> Texas works. They name things that don't make sense. So, yeah, Center, right. Texas over there. Uh, in that area, Huxley area, uh, our plane started having trouble. And yeah. it started sputtering. It started, 
Uh, smoke started filling the cabin. My grandfather got on the radio, started yelling, mayday, mayday, mayday. Uh, wow. My grandmother's yelling at him. He's yelling at me. It was just, I mean, unbelievable. Smoke filling the cabin. Fire, I see, coming out of the engine. And making the most wildest, loudest, craziest noise you've ever heard uh, as I'm sitting in the back seat at six years old, almost wow. seven, wondering, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget my, grandma, my grandfather turned around, grabbed me by the leg, as he's circling this pasture looking to land. He grabs me by the leg, and he kind of looks me right in the face. And he says, Casey, I remember him calling me by name. Yeah. He looked me right in the eye. He said, Casey, you're going to be okay. And in that moment, Whoa. he said I was going to be okay. I, I felt a peace. Uh, wow. I didn't know if that was going to be okay. I really don't believe he knew we were yeah. going to be okay. I, I bet in his mind he knew we were going to die. Yeah. And he, but he comforted me at that moment, in that time, while everything was going crazy just like god yeah. does when we go through our own personal crashes just like god does when we when we feel like uh, you know we're going down in that mm. cockpit of a plane and we don't know whether or not we're gonna live or die mm. you know we cry out we reach out and we we pray out to this mm-hmm. this loving living god yeah uh, he's gonna grab us grab us and say hey i got you yeah hang on yeah and uh we went down hit the ground pretty hard bounced up hit some trees trees you know took the plane apart uh the wings came off the top came off my seatbelt actually popped off, and I bounced in between the two seats that were, uh, you know, the front seat and the back seat. Wow. And a lot of debris, luggage, all landed on top of me, which actually protected me. Oh, my, my grandfather's gosh. head hit a tree uh, mm. and broke his neck, and uh, the plane kind of twisted. There's a picture of the plane. I think it's on, online as well. You can see the picture of the plane, and you can see where the plane kind of twisted. Where it broke his neck, he fell on top of my grandmother, my grandmother got her basically got her seatbelt almost cut her completely in half. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then I guess I don't really know the time frame. I know I was knocked out. I came to. Yeah. My grandfather was still alive. Uh, he spoke with me, told me to go find help. Um, I literally had to climb out of the woods, climb over a barbed wire fence. Whoa. And I walked into a pasture at six years old looking up at nothing but these giant dogs. I've never oh seen giant dogs. I found out later those weren't dogs. They were cows. You know, I wasn't used to cows. I grew up in Galveston, Texas. <laughs> uh, but in my six-year-old mind, I've yeah. seen the biggest dogs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I love and it. They saw me, and they were thought, well, this guy's got food, so they're following me around. And, I mean, I'm getting cut up by the bob wire because I'm jumping over the fence because of the cows. Wow. Uh, but I had to go find help, and I would go out there. And, and I knew, even at six years old, yeah. I knew I needed to be rescued. I knew I needed um, rescuing. Yeah. I knew I needed help. I needed somebody, and I would go look for help forever. And, um, well, there's a couple that I know now, the Warrens, uh, which is an incredible story how I re-met these guys, but yeah. they were having a church picnic after church at their lake house, and they heard the plane go down. They don't know where it went down, but they yeah. heard it go down. And uh, they said to themselves, somebody needs our help. Somebody needs to be rescued. Whoa. And so, they jump in their truck and go from pasture to pasture to pasture looking for this plane that went wow, down. Crazy. Having no idea that eventually, hours later, uh, they pull into a pasture, and there's a six-year-old kid sitting there all bloodied up, you wow. know, from jumping over barbed wire fences and being in a plane crash. By this time, my grandfather had already passed away. He had died. Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't sure if my grandmother was alive or dead. She was in and out. Uh, she called me many times to come back and see her. I would then go back out to the pasture looking for help. But wow. thank God that I actually was in the pasture at this time because yeah. they pulled in. You wouldn't have seen. If you would have pulled in the pasture, you would have not seen the plane yeah. because we bounced into the woods. 
that you wouldn't even see the hole that right. was there. And uh, there is, um, uh, uh, so they see me, uh, and of course I see them, and yeah. me and the cows just start running. Right? <laughs> they think, I can only imagine, and I've talked to them about this, how how crazy that would have been for them to pull into a pasture, see this little child, six years old, yeah. running towards their truck. And I was pretty bloodied up. I had been cut by the, the barbed wire. I mean, my head was pretty swollen. I guarantee you they thought they saw an alien mm. running toward them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm surprised they didn't put it in reverse and go, get out! You know? <laughs> Me wow. and a bunch of cows running at them, but uh, they grant me. I, I yell plane crash, and pretty much they had given me uh, some water. Called wow. uh, called the police and the ambulance, and they came and and uh, rescued us from that uh, from that pasture. And uh, really crazy, I was preaching in Longview, Mobley Baptist Church. The first time I met them, uh, their daughter, who was actually in the pl- in the truck with them as they were looking around, yeah. goes to that church. Oh my gosh! Whoa. And, uh, end up meeting them That's uh, cool. and we're like family now it's, it's oh. unbelievable how god connect, reconnected us from this moment yeah 40 something years ago that now we're like family uh we call i go see them my sons and i have gone and stayed the night with them wow uh, and they're like family now it's just amazing how that's worked out Oh my gosh that's a, that is unbelievable casey man that's crazy that's just how my life started steve <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that is amazing. All right. Uh, and what did you say about your grandma? Did she survive or or no? Yeah, grandma okay. survived. She's the one I was talking about with the switch. Um, oh right, the same dad. one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And this is my dad's parents. And uh, okay. you know, pretty much after this, he kind of went haywire. Kind of went a little nuts. That's where I mean he had already I believe had already had drug and, and alcohol issues, but I feel like his father died in the plane crash. Just kind of put him over the edge at this yeah. point. Okay. And um, but yeah, so and I'll and I'll get to that annoying kid because it kind of it kind of does kind of play in to how I came to know the Lord. But you know that's just the first part of that. The plane, the, the going down. There's a lot more to that. But then I end up going like I said earlier. I went to live with my dad, and yeah. and and it was basically really rough. Uh, leaving me in bars. A lot, yeah. lot of drunken nights, a lot of drugs, a lot of, you know, parties at his house. I mean, there would be parties that he would have, and people would be laying all over the yard the next morning, and the bus would come pick me up for school. You can imagine that. Wow. <laughs> and, no. And there's bikes laying in the yard from, you know, he had a lot of biker friends and things like that. They'd come over and get drunk, and they'd just pass out where they are. Wow. I mean, the bus would pick me up, and all you'd see about 20 kids' heads pushed against the glass, just kind of looking as yeah. I'm walking through bodies. You know, checking pockets for lunch money. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? But, I, I said I can't imagine, but I can. I mean, that sounds like a movie. That sounds like. I mean, I, I can visualize it, and that is just man, that's dramatic. So you got all these kids on the bus just looking, watching, and you're trying to grab some lunch money from one of these passed out guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's I would great. literally check pockets. Yeah, I could find some, you know, loose change and things like that, so I can get some lunch that day. Yeah. And I would, uh, I'd go to school like that every day. Um, not a lot of people wanted to talk to me. Not a lot of people wanted to reach out to me. Okay. Not a lot of people, you know, yeah. had um, wanted to do anything to do with me. I would wear the same clothes that I would have multiple times. I would, uh, you know, because I'd get left in a bar. There would be times my dad would leave me at a bar. I would literally just kind of sleep in the alleyway behind it, or I'd find my way toward the school, sleep in the stairwell of the school. And I'd get up wow. to go to school the next day. I stole crackers off the cracker at the salad bar and put them in my pockets. I, I, I would eat crackers and stuff and just kind of 
take care of myself, man. I was a survivor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even at this point, going back to July 24th, yeah. that day I knew I needed to be rescued. I knew even now, living with my dad, going through what I was going through, I needed somebody to rescue me. Mm. I didn't know who yet. Yeah. I didn't know where. But I know I needed rescuing, though. And so I, w- I was going through that and, and yeah. feeling and, and and eating and getting left in bars and uh yeah it, it was just it was unbelievable feeling but nobody would talk to me and then throughout the time this, this kid this annoying kid you're talking about his name's Britt craig he's a super good friend of mine now. is he really uh, oh my oh, gosh yeah. yeah oh yeah he's like very close he, he and his family and i are super close i go see them he comes sees me yeah uh and just in, incredible story there but this kid comes up to me and uh I'm that kid that you've seen, uh, you know, with the headphones in. Of course, I had a Walkman, so it wasn't a real, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm, I'm aging myself, but I had, the, <laughs> you know, the Huey Lewis and the news uh, cassette tape going, to, you know, you going go. strong. There you go. And, and so I, uh, you know, I had my headphones in, my, my, my hoodie up over my head, and just kind of walking through, trying to survive, just trying to get through the day, not knowing if I'm going to go home and my dad's going to be dead. I'm not know. I mean, I, I would yeah. come home, get off the bus, and walk in the door. And find this man with needles sticking in his arm, wow. uh, you know, passed out, not knowing if he's alive or dead. He would sometimes leave for two or three days on these drunken binges and just leave me at the house by myself, uh, sometimes with a stepmom, sometimes with not. There was a lot of different ladies that would come in and out of that yeah. house. But that's the kind of thing I'm going through every day, why I'm so passionate about students, why I'm so passionate to see students come to know the Lord, why I'm so passionate about uh, uh, other students reaching out. Yeah. Uh, to that student you'd never talk to because I was that kid that you yeah. would never want to talk to. Yeah. And um, so mm. I'm sitting there against the wall one day. Well, I say standing, I'm standing against the wall. And um, this kid, Brett Craig, walks up to me, and, and the first words out of his mouth was this. Hey, uh, are you a guy or a girl? Whoa. That was the first word. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, here's why. I had one of the most amazing flock of seagulls hairstyles <laughs> you've ever seen, right? I love it. I yes. Came, I came from Galveston, Texas to Benton, Louisiana. All yeah. right? Yeah. Different, two different worlds. Two completely different worlds. Yeah. Um, and I let my hair go, and it was just really long on top, really long in the back. And it was yeah. party in the front, party in the back. There was, there was party <laughs> front. And just let it go crazy. And, of course, I wasn't able to go get haircuts either. You know, you kind of got to remember that. I remember yeah. my dad. He's not taking me to get a haircut. No. So, just the hair is a lot of control and really long. And the guy walks up and goes, hey, man, you a guy or a girl? That, what a question, man. They don't teach you that in Evangelism 101, right? <clears throat> There's evangelism. The man's about to share Jesus with me, but wants to know what I am first. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, he says, he says, hey, man, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, we just you know, haven't seen that kind of hairstyle around here, I guess. Now it's very popular. <laughs> you know, I brought it. <laughs> right. Uh, now the mullet is really awesome uh, in, that, uh, in the country. Anyway, he says, "Hey, come be, come meet my friends." And uh, wow. he, I come met some friends, and you know, it was like first time ever, right? I've met yeah. some, some people, and I was kind of talking with them and hanging out with them, and uh, getting to know some of these guys pretty well. And and uh, then he invited me to church. No I said, way. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with church. Don't want any, you know some past stuff. I just didn't want anything to do. It. I didn't believe in God. Didn't think there was one. If there was one, why would you let me go through what I was going through? Yeah. Why was I? at night running for my dad when he got drunk and pulled a gun on my, and, and put, stuck at my face, right? Yeah. If there's a God, why am I left, getting left in bars, and uh, why would he leave me at school? There's a lot of, you know, you, you ask those questions when you're going through your own crash in sure. life. yeah. Why did my grandpa die uh, in front of me, uh, you know, when I was six? I mean, you can ask a lot of questions like that. So he would ask me to church, I'd say no. He'd come find me again. Hey, man, you got to come to church. We got to go Sunday. I'd say, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want any part of that. 
He'd come ask me again, hey, Wednesday night, you ought to come to church. I'd say, man, qu- quit asking me, bro. I, d- I don't want anything to do with your church. He'd ask me again over and over mm. and over, mm. day in and day out for weeks. Wow. And I, and I said to myself, I was like, this guy has lost his mind. He's in a cult. <laughs> uh, you know, just anything yeah. you could think of. And then I thought to myself, if this guy asked me one more time, I'm going to bust him in the mouth. I'm just going to punch him square in the face <laughs> if he asked me to come to church one more time. <laughs> And uh, if this guy drops to the ground and goes, you got to come, I might go. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. I yeah. don't want to go anymore. His friendship didn't matter at that point. I didn't want to go to church. And he wow. um, he came up and uh, one more time, he followed me out. And I'm yeah. heading out to the bus. And I remember going going out to the bus. And he said, uh, I hear him call my name. Okay, I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. I'm about to, punch, I'm about to drop this dude, right? Yeah. And uh, he comes up behind me and just I hear him say, Kent, you got to come to church tonight. And I I already bowled the fist. I'm ready to turn around and jack this dude. Yeah. And he and he yells this, we're having free pizza. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Y'all got food? <laughs> I'm like, bro, you could have opened with that a month ago. And uh, we'd have saved a whole lot. of. I didn't know we're giving out food. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. And so I've got crackers in my pocket. I'm about to go home and, yeah. and, and have no idea what I'm going to eat. And yeah. this guy's offering me now some free food, some pizza. Only yeah. pizza I'm eating is some ketchup on a cracker, right? <laughs> right. Wow. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm down. You know, we're talking pizza, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, is, is that girl going to be there? Yeah, she's going to be there. Oh, I'm definitely in now. <laughs> you know, you got pizza, you got girls. I mean, I'm, I'm in this thing. Right. And so I show up. I just really wanted pizza. I got pizza. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure they talked about Jesus, but I didn't hear it. All I heard was, hey, there's pizza. Yeah. So I went back to my own store. And so mm. time in and time out, Wow. we just, uh, I would keep going. I, I, I found comfort in that. I found, I found some, some joy in yeah. going and being around Brent and his family. His dad was the youth pastor, Wayne Craig. Okay. Uh, is, and and uh, Doreen Craig, is, and, and they're, you know, they're just still, again, good family friends. But yeah, I love that. We, uh, I was still going, and they were sharing Christ with me, but I wasn't hearing it. And uh, one day I show up to church on a Wednesday night, and they were getting in vans. And I'm like, well, where are we going? And they're yeah. like, well, we're going. I'm like, well, I didn't know that churches went on field trips. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was just coming for pizza. I'm showing up for right. pizza right now. And uh, they're like, no, 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 get on the van. We'll, we'll get you some pizza. I was like, all right. <laughs> I get on the van, and we go over to a place called First, uh, I think it was Bossier City, First Baptist Bossier City, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fred Lowry was a pastor there, just an amazing man. Okay. And and they were having a revival uh, that night, a student revival. I walked into that building and not not just wanting pizza, just wanting to not be there. And, and uh, we, pretty, we pretty much sat all the way at the very top, in the very back. I mean, I'm talking about as far as you could possibly go. We sat up there in the back of the back. Of the back yeah. And uh, I remember this guy, and a guy named Jay Strat from J Strack Ministries, he's traveling evangelist. Okay. Uh, do a uh, student, student leadership 101 now. Just a great guy. Yeah. And he's out there preaching. He starts talking about his dad, and you know, similar to mine. And I'm like, well, that's that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was the only one going through this kind of issue, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's asking for everybody to pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And I look over, and about 15 students there got their heads bowed, they're all praying. I'm like, hey, who are we praying for, guys? <laughs> <laughs> hey, who, who are we praying for? I have no idea they're praying for me. Right, right. And uh, 
that night, man, wow. the spirit got a hold of me. God got a hold of my heart. Wow, and, and Casey. Just said, I remember hearing his voice literally, not 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 audibly, of course, but I just heard him in my in my chest. Yeah, basically saying, "You need me." Yeah, like fighting with this God I didn't even know, and I was going, "No, I don't. Mm. I got this. Mm. I've been on my own now for a long time. I've been doing this for a while. I, right. I, you know, I can. I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I don't need these people. I can survive. I got crackers. I'm good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just hearing that voice, you need me, wow. you need me, wow. you need me. And it was such an amazing voice in my, in my heart. And I just knew at that moment, I just broke. I started crying. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I just started crying. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, I do need you. And before I knew it, I'm standing at the altar down there at the bottom. Wow. Oh, 15 students praying for me. We're all crying back there. Right. Yeah. And uh, in that moment I had an encounter with God and wow. grabbed a hold of me. Uh, and I gave my life to the Lord, never wow. knowing at that moment there that I would be doing what that guy's doing. Hey, KSLR, I've got some great news. You're going to hear the entire Casey Benson interview because part two is coming next Saturday right here at noon. But I want to remind you today for now to think about the hope that Christ has given to you. He loves you. He knows you by name. He is watching out for you. He is going before you. He is in you. He is with you. He is for you. All those things. And because of that, when we have that perspective and realize the great hope that we have, then we get to do something. It comes from 2 Corinthians 3.12. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.